Hello, Internet! We are your friends at Fangamer, and this is the podcast where you get to hang out with weirdos work at a video game merchandising company. We're actually going to be taking it easy for a couple of weeks while we plan out the rest of the episodes for this season of the show, firming up topics and guests for the rest of the year. So instead of a new episode this week, instead we're going to try to edit and re-air content from one of our older episodes. This week, we're going all the way back to our very first episode where I spoke with our CEO, Reed, and my regular co-host, Jack. The early episodes were a series of experiments in sound quality, which took a while to get right. I've been honestly a bit concerned about the sound quality of many of our recent episodes since most of them have involved recording the audio from Google Meet calls, but honestly, it sounds a lot better than some of those earlier episodes. Uh, That said, while there's only so much you can really do to fix bad audio, it turns out you can do more than I was doing at that time. So this episode is a retouched version of season one, episode one, which I hope is a lot more listenable than the original version. Uh, If you're a purist, don't worry. The original episode will remain where it is in all its unlistenable garbage glory. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Here's Reed talking about being a CEO about a year ago, back in June 2019. In my case, CEO is not... It's just a title I have to use because I deal with the bank a lot. And they're not going to understand if I'm like, I don't know, I do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, chief executive officer, which basically means that uh, when somebody doesn't want to make a decision, they will usually punt to me. (laughs) And you get paid 1,000 times more than anybody else in the the company. Uh, 1,028, actually. I wanted to round up to that nice little powers of two (laughs) thing there. Uh, (laughs) You wish, anyway. You you wish you could afford to have that kind of income disparity. (laughs) Boy! <laughs> oh, just for the edit, you know, it's, uh, I think it's uh, 1,024 would be a power. Oh, gosh! I just got well, no, foisted! Well, again, we're not in a live format, so... Well, yeah, but I can't go back. Oh, no. I'm no. going to own that. No, I, I, I think it's, it's good to, to knock this guy down a peg. Um, <laughs> we're really making this messy for Charlie. <laughs> edit this at all later, no? I'm going to add on two extra powers of two uh-huh. just to go the extra mile. That's mm-hmm. what I was thinking. So... <laughs> Get ahead of those tweets. That's all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and have you been playing any games? I have. As is tradition for me, I am playing games that we have been doing stuff for for a while that are, I mean, it's not that they're not relevant anymore. It's just that I have never stayed on the cutting edge of what Fangamer is supposed to be focusing on. <laughs> uh, so I just beat the Radiance in Hollow Knight and I'm feeling very proud of myself. Nice. Uh, yeah. I assume that's impressive. I also have not quite played Hollow Knight yet. So. It's extremely impressive. <laughs> it's probably the biggest thing that anybody can ever do. Yeah. I think it's actually probably more impressive than calling yourself CEO mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. by a long shot. I, I, need, I need to ask somebody to, as a comparison because I have beaten uh, I have beaten hell in Cave Story and I don't know I, I need to have that sort of frame of reference from somebody who's played both and can tell me who's more impressive. How close to hell? Yeah. Oh. Sorry. I think Charlie takes the flag on this. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Dang it. Woo! Still on top. <laughs> anyway, Jack, so yes. tell us your role and a little bit about what you're working on. All right. Uh, I do a little bit of everything, I guess, but I think that anyone would say that if you ask them what they do at Fangamer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all wear lots of hats. I guess for the most part, I'm in the mailroom. So uh, I used to, I don't do it so much anymore, but we have a, we call it 
fetching, which off of fetch quests where we take an order, we see what is what the customer ordered, and we go into the shirt forest, which wow, this podcast is gonna have a lot of terminology that we're gonna need to explore. We're gonna be like a glossary. Yeah, yeah. so so the shirt throw. yeah, go, yeah. Tell us about this shirt forest, this mystical shirt forest where people have, have got, entered and uh we have not seen them before, uh, again. Yes, exactly. Those especially who, if they're egg shaped. Yeah. <laughs> those who enter the uh those who are able to spend a night in the shirt forest are get jobs as mailroom workers at Fangamer. <laughs> and um, you have to survive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if you die, sorry, <laughs> we're not hiring you. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. And uh, we so go out, get the order, bring it back, and then pack it and ship it out. So it's basically just keep the engine churning, I suppose. But before I started working at Fangamer, I did a lot of work in the modding community, specifically for the Source Engine, like Half-Life 2 and stuff like that. And as such, I for my senior project, actually, I was working on making a uh, dodgeball mod in uh, for Half-Life Deathmatch, but it took place in the high school. So it's sort of a way okay. for like all the seniors, like when they graduated and moved away, they'd still be able to like play this class. They'd still be able to have... Uh, they'd still be able to um, have some some PTSD moments of remembering, oh, Oh, this tra- this traumatic experience that I had of being pegged in the head by a big red ball. I enjoy dodgeball, but I, but I know it, it, it does come with a lot of baggage. It was just it gave me an excuse. It was close enough to the first person shooter format that it'd be easy to convert over to the Source Engine. Yeah, wow, that project was a mess when I look back on it. But anyway, I got a lot of experience working in game engines and 3D modeling and stuff like that. And I've been very lucky to find kind of a niche in Fangamer where I can do that as well sort of a prototyping uh, new products, physical materials, such as like like figurines, keychains. I even like 3D printed a piece to help us level the panels on our PAX booth and everything. Mm-hmm. So like... Yeah, you're kind of our, our 3D printing master here. You you know the ins and outs of our 3D printers mm-hmm. better than anybody at this point. Yeah. Probably even at the beginning, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you're the one who chose which one we were going to get for, for the reasons that you gave. True, true. Yeah, but shout out to Mike Choi, who actually was the one who uh, recommended it. And mm-hmm. I looked into it and I'm like, holy crap. Yeah, this thing is amazing. Well, we're going to get into Mike Choi later, but um, oh, yeah. we got his own segment. <laughs> yeah, really? sure. Well, not really, but uh, kind of. Anyway, we'll, we'll get back to that in a bit. I'll announce it whenever we've whenever we've gotten back. Everybody ready for the like, Choi channel? Yeah, look forward to that. It's time for Choi's Choice, where he chooses one person to live. <laughs> I'm not gonna be here for that, right? Well, he's not, I mean, he's in the closet. I mean, he's very unlikely to choose anybody on the podcast because there's like how many people in the world right now? Like seven billion or some such. So, it, like, oh odds are pretty low for you specifically. Oh, well, and, the, and the thing is, he's just choosing you to continue living. He's not choosing anybody to die. Oh, I see. So it's, oh. a, very, it's a very few good. So it's like a blessing know. from Troy. Yeah, yeah. Know. You don't die this day. <laughs> but Troy's blessing doesn't roll off the tongue as much as Troy. Choice. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. All right. Well, I'll run through my own rule real quick. Uh, I'm kind of a vestige from when we only had like six full time employees or something. So I learned how to do a little bit of everything just well enough, which I think all of us here have been in that position at some point. Uh, I've shipped countless packages, established relationships with partners, designed products, wrote marketing materials, negotiated and redlined contracts, hosted and edited edited podcasts even before this one, uh, ran cameras for commercials and interviews. I've built things, driven things across the country, lobbied politi- uh, local politicians politician, 
items and even or took out the trash a few times, which is all to say I don't really have any specific role of this company, except maybe as like whatever Winston Wolf was in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> like I fix things, I fix things, but like the term fixer would be appropriate if it didn't already mean something else, which is, yeah, it's more like I think fixer actually means like somebody who makes legal problems go away, yeah. which I guess I also can do that. <laughs> but that is like a tool in my toolbox. <laughs> uh, anyway, currently I pack most of our poster orders because I find shipping things relaxing and I'm fulfilling some of the physical rewards for Psychonauts 2 uh, for the Psychonauts 2 project on Fig right now. Uh, as for games, I am currently playing C- uh, Cadence of Hyrule, which is pretty cool so far. I'm a big fan of Crypt of the Necrodancer and I'm loving this unexpected mashup. I'm still working on my first playthrough, but the thing about this game is that it's randomly it's a randomly generated roguelike. It's all about like replay value. So right now I'm focusing on just playing through as Zelda because I think that a playable Zelda is a is a really cool thing that we don't get enough of except for in like Smash Brothers. Yeah, I just learned it was co-op today. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure I've heard it before. It just like went over my head. I was actually looking at it in the eShop last night and like, $25. Mm, I got so many other games. I'll hold off. And then and then I came to the mailroom today and Danny told me he and Kira were playing it all weekend and like, they're almost done. I'm like, oh, it's two-player. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. And then just the idea of a two-player Zelda already. Well, I guess there was like Four Swords and stuff. So I, I, I've played Four Swords by myself and I've realized that that is definitely only really fun as a multiplayer experience. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it's just kind of... Kind of a dry wannabe Zelda. In my opinion, that's a that's a controversial thing that Dan's going to hit me about later. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to playing again as like the other characters as well. So now that we've talked about ourselves, let's talk about Fangamer. Because this is your friends at Fangamer. And uh, presumably people are listening because not because they don't like us. They like Fangamer. And I want them to like us. But well, that's 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 going to take some time. So usually this would be the part of the podcast where we talk about what Fangamer as a whole is up to. Big launches, projects we're working on, announcements and so on. However, we used to have a podcast, one that started back in maybe 2009 or 2010 or something, and ran on and off until 2014. And while I don't really want to confuse this podcast with that one, I do think the listeners deserve a bit of an update on the past five years. Uh, So what have we done? Did we actually do anything in the past five years worth mentioning? Does anybody even remember 2014? Uh, That's that's a tougher one. (laughs) Yeah, we've done a lot. But can you place anything? (laughs) Boy. I mean, I do. You do remember? I know that I survived it. Okay. I don't remember a lot. Specifics about it. I think I kind of remember a lot. Yeah? Yeah. You said, uh, what, your employee number, what, did you say six or something? Uh, I don't really remember what number. Some, like, uh, maybe like six, like in Tucson or. Yeah. Well, you're like five five in Tucson. Tucson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Because I think, like, Jen and I are nine and 10 or eight and nine, one of those. Uh We're right around there. When I first moved to Tucson, I, my first year here was like, probably like felt like one of the longest years of my life just because everything was so different right the life i was living then to now is like so yeah different world so like the years have really kind of drawn out so i feel like i could probably break down the last five years pretty well yeah, well, I, mean, I don't plan to do it by myself. Well, sure, sure. So let's let's start with 2014. Do you remember anything specifically from 2014? Was that around our You Are Now Earthbound Kickstarter? That was our You Are oh. Now Earthbound Kickstarter. Whoa. Yes. Wow. That was a pretty Five big one. years ago. Yeah. Holy cow. Real quick, what was the You Are Now Earthbound Kickstarter? So that was a Kickstarter that we ran. I think we had just finished... 
Was it Double Fine Adventure? We finished fulfilling part of that? Yeah, probably. I mean, Double Fine Adventure was a long process. I know we started fulfilling that one in 2012. I mean, we, we, yeah, we did the first <laughs> batch of that fulfillment. But, but the, we had to wait until the game was actually done to be able to, like, finish it off yeah, properly. Uh, I remember, I think, Jen, I showed up right after Laura finished rolling up all the Double <laughs> Fine Adventure posters. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so we decided to do a Kickstarter. It was kind of like following up on the Mother 3 Handbook, which is really what launched Fangamer. Mm-hmm. This is right after it was announced, like Earthbound was made available on the Wii U virtual console. Is that right? Earthbound Beginnings? Is that first? No, I think Earthbound yeah. came out on... Earthbound was, came out first on the Wii U. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, that would have been a weird move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we finally just made the jump, because I, I, we've been wanting to do something like that for a long time. Yeah, for, for Earthbound, like, kind of go backwards. For, so we started with uh, a Mother 3 guide, and then we we're like, all right, let's go back and do number two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there was a bunch of other stuff that we wanted to do, because the company was founded on Earthbound. Yeah, I mean, because we, we had like so, our, our fingers in like so many different like types of media where we're just like, all right, what can we do that would give like what's a big project that would give everybody something to do yeah. for the next couple of years? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that was that was the guy that was the zine, the art zine. Uh, we had music. We have the documentary, which is the only thing that's not fulfilled with that thing yet. Right, right. Uh, which, but hey, it is still being worked on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the, the, the goal we've been chugging towards is the end of the year. And as far as I know, we're still roughly on track for that. So, yeah, five years later, still yeah. still on track. Yep. Well, I mean, not on track, but <laughs> well, we keep adding tracks. <laughs> but we're running out of tracks to, ru- to add. Not the original track, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's on our track. It's a new track. Yeah. We're doing one of those, like, bug buddy things where you run behind the train, grab the tracks, run yeah. in front of the train. <laughs> yeah. The track, you know, it's one of those. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there was the, yeah, the documentary, the book, the zine of fan art. Did we say the Psychokinetic album? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the music. music. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes, we had bad dudes work on that. Yep. Yeah, we got that almost all fulfilled except for the documentary, which we're 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 working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in addition, I think looks like we also established some partners that kind of helped us out for a while. We had Shovel Knight that year, I think. Papers, Please and Octodad, which Shovel Knight, of, of them, Shovel Knight is still going fairly strong just because they keep adding new, like, DLC to the game yeah. uh, for yeah. free because, well, I mean, technically, I think those it was all, like, kickstarted. Uh, so if you got, like, the, if you bought in early on, or if you helped kickstart the game, you got all of the DLC uh, for free, but I think like, you had to buy, like, the extra special version on Steam to get, like, all the DLC if if you only got the game before. I don't know. But, uh, which, which makes sense, because they put a lot of work into these DLCs. Yeah, no kidding. Like, every single one of them has, like, a new soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, they're just <laughs> games. Yeah. But they're, they're full yeah. games with, yeah. you know, they get to reuse a few assets, yeah. but but, uh, yeah, but it costs a lot. Uh, so that covers 2014. 2015, that's a little bit, that's a whole year after 2014. So that should be a year fresher in our memories. What, uh, what, coming clear. Yeah. <laughs> what, what happened in 2015? Does anybody remember? I remember some things. I'm pretty sure 2015 was when we did Oni Masks. Oh, wow. I remember correctly. That was not in my notes. But so, yeah, that's probably so, right? Yeah, so we we did Oni Mask, which was just a uh, 
Majora's Mask inspired art project where we're going to launch a Kickstarter, make it so you could buy your own blank mask that you could paint and it'd be a wearable Majora's Mask. Mm -hmm. And so as part of our charm offensive to get this thing like approved with Nintendo, we actually... Oh yeah, we wanted it to be licensed for the Kickstarter. Yeah, we wanted it to be legit. And so we sent masks to Reggie... and probably a few other people. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, a lot of top brass. But Reggie, Reggie, I remember because yeah, because because we just saw it like in his yeah. office while he was moving out. Yeah, he just retired, and there it was yeah, in his goodbye video in right? his office. I couldn't believe it. I almost fell out of my chair. Still, still holding on to it. Yeah. And of course, like half of them are just up in your house. Right now. Yes, yes, and I am working on an email for them so they can get them returned to Jarvis. Because, yeah, so, uh, so that they can give them as gifts to whoever they want. Right, yeah. just being, well, thanks for all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> to all these really cool works of art you guys made us. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was a fan gamer project. I thought it that was, was just a personal thing between you and Camille. It was a it was a Camille project until I realized I didn't have the money to, to see it through. Like it has to be a fan gamer project because it's going to happen. And then immediately after we sent those masks off, Bloodstain fell in our laps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that? The and that's I? why we didn't do anything. We didn't pursue it after that. Jeez, yeah, the timing was just kind of bonkers. And uh, wow. Yeah, Bloodstain, that was a thing. That was a pretty big yeah. thing there in 2015, <laughs> which we're thing. still dealing with literally today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, there's people thing. out in out in the rest of this office right now packing and shipping those things. Yeah, yeah. Saying, I'm pretty sure I've got a cardboard cut on some bloodstain packaging like today. <laughs> yep. So, yep. <laughs> yeah, I worked. Uh, I worked about. I think it was almost 14 days in a row over the past two weeks. Like this past weekend was my first weekend in a little while just because bloodstain, you know, we just trying to chug and make sure that thing got done in time. And yeah, that's because bloodstain was a huge, the biggest gaming Kickstarter of all time for like, it was like for, a few weeks for a couple of weeks. And then Shenmue <laughs> came out, which, which we're, we're also, also involved with. <laughs> and as, uh, now I think has remained the biggest gaming Kickstarter of all time. Hmm. Pretty sure. On that. Uh, so, in addition to uh, Bloodstain and Shinmu and Oni masks, is there anything else? Anything? Uh, I got one in my pocket, but I'll let you take a couple more shots. Hey, I think yeah, I think we're going to say the same thing here. One, two, three. Undertale gamer. <laughs> Way to sink it. All right. Uh, well, I, I'd say chronologically speaking, uh, one of those things came first, and that was definitely Camp Fangamer. Yeah. <laughs> Camp Fangamer, uh, which could have led into Undertale, because while it was our big... Well, I mean, it was, it, that was also tied back into You Are Now Earthbound, because it was a, a Kickstarter reward. Oh, that's right. Or a yeah. Kickstarter stretch goal. Yeah. So we played through Earthbound and had our own convention, and it was this whole, like, cool alternate reality experience with a story that you missed some of because there was things happening simultaneously all the time. You need to be a time traveler to really experience all of it. It's one of those uh, really deep experiences where you don't really get it, uh, get the whole thing until you've played the game a few times, except it was an ephemeral experience that only happened once. So you can't. Wait a minute. Not yet. Why don't we just put on Camp Fangamer 2015 every year from now on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we can like complete 100%. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so good. <laughs> I think that would actually turn out to be a lot of fun. That would be. That'd be really good. <laughs> just get bigger and bigger every time. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we just came up with the uh, with the deep convention experience. Yeah, you heard it here. Camp Fangamer 2020's theme is Camp, Camp Fangamer 2015. <laughs> 
I, I think unironically we would get more attendees every year. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So yeah. So I mean, I don't remember a whole lot of that convention because I spent almost the entire time in a chair on the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I got the whole uh, experience of the variety show uh, because I was there on stage playing Earthbound the entire time. But like all the other things, like I've only seen video of. Mm-hmm. Well, that's weird that you didn't experience any of that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never thought about it. But yeah, you can walk. Yeah, yeah, me and and Dan, yeah, and Dan, yeah. So, so we were carrying the stream the whole time, but any because because in theory, people outside of the convention could have experienced it somewhat by watching the stream. But again, that was just like a, a narrow slice of it. We'd have to do fifty picture in pictures, just like like uh, like a security, security camera yeah. room <laughs> yeah. with audio, which would be very confusing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, of course, at Camp Fan Gamer, uh, we had a few indie games who were kind of uh, showing off their stuff a little bit, including our, our friend Toby, who had uh, a little game. He was like, please play my game. I don't think he ever said that. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because Toby, Toby had contacted me a couple months prior. He's like, hey, do you guys want to do merchandise for this game? I was like, heck yeah, man, it's Toby, of course. You know, I thought we'd do like 100 shirts. And I think we came to him to see if he wanted to come to camp. I don't remember now. What was your relationship with Toby before this? Uh, so Toby is an old, uh, like, Fangamer grew out of Starman.net, and Toby was a Starman.net attendee member. You know? mm-hmm. I think he eventually, he did something on staff at some point, didn't he? Yeah, he might have done fan games. Mostly, I just remember him as being, like, just a, a dude who just generated so much cool stuff that, like, you couldn't help but notice him. Yeah. So, yeah, so Toby said he was working on this game. He'd done a Kickstarter for it. He made, like, 40000 bucks or something to do Undertale, mm-hmm. um, which is respectable. So, yeah, so we'll do some merchandise, and we'll. I think we, I agreed to fulfill the Kickstarter as well. So somehow he ended up coming to camp and showing Undertale there, which I believe was the first time it had been shown publicly. Yeah, well, I think we had um, we had done a Fangamer Game Club with it once. Yeah, because oh, the, 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 the demo, because the demo was out as soon as the Kickstarter went out, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like, I, think I think that was before, part of it. I think it was before the Kickstarter. Oh, maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the timing of the Kickstarter. Dang, I, I, think, I think I remember you just saying that you, someone you knew from Starman.net, was making a game and, yeah. you, and they sent you a demo. And oh, that's right. Yeah, I, remember, yeah. I just remember you, it was back at the Midway office, you coming to the back of the mailroom, just be like, hey, anyone wants to check out this game? Like, I, I played it. Like, or no, you hadn't played it yet. It was a blind. Yeah, we were going to blind, blind playthrough. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you asked if we wanted to play and like see it. And I just remember like the company at the time. Yeah, just going to the uh, into the theater room. Yeah, all, yeah. all eight of us basically. Yeah, <laughs> and experiencing Undertale for the first time. Yeah. And you thought Toriel was so creepy. I was so suspicious. Of yeah, Toriel. she and was going to be the final boss of the game. You were <laughs> certain of it. And you gave me the control. You played all the way up to the fight with Toriel. Then you gave me the controller and said, "I got like I forgot what it was, but you're, you're like I'm busy. You can do this." And I didn't know how to play yet, so I just played, <laughs> and I kill her. And I, and I felt horrible for two weeks straight. Uh, <laughs> oh really? Yes. It really bothered. Oh man. <laughs> so yeah. So Undertale. Uh, Toby brought the game. I don't know if it was a full game or not, but this was right before he released it. Yeah, it wasn't too long before. Like, like two and a half months before he released it. And we had no idea what was about to happen. Because <laughs> that leads me to the next thing, which is Undertale. Yeah, we got we got Undertale. It came out in 2015 and we started... Did, did we print a few shirts and then sell them and they like just went away immediately? Yeah, well, it, it coincided with the... Because we were working on the documentary at the time. And so we I think it was our first trip to Japan. 
Mm. was in late 2015 mm. and it was right as we had launched we, we launched Undertale while a bunch of us were in Japan and by that point this was a couple months after the game came out and we knew it was a big thing like it was blowing up yeah what we didn't know was how well the merchandise was going to do <laughs> so we thought we had more than enough merchandise, even accounting for the fact that the game was blowing up. And if I remember correctly, we sold out in less than 24 hours. Like, we thought we had tons. Because we had, we had been part of games that kind of blew up before. Like, yeah. we had done Papers, Please, which was pretty huge. And it did very well for us. Yeah. But it was nothing yeah. compared to what yeah. none of them could hold a candle to what Undertale just suddenly did to our inventory. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was our, our infrastructure and, like, everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, it turned us inside out. It's a real big body horror for fan gamers, just like bones <laughs> breaking and extending. And just... <laughs> really, it's true. It's like, you're kind of having a mega flowy moment for us. Yeah. Yeah, we just, like, transformed. Took an Undertale, and then we, everything instantly had to start growing. Mm-hmm. Like, we, like, the infrastructure for the, even just, like, the, the technical side of things, like, just being able to handle that number of orders and being able to address, like, all right, we have to ship... 2,000 of these shirts in the next couple days. How can we automate this a little bit so that this is not such a nightmare? And I think this is one of the things that inspired multi-ship. Yeah, yeah that, that'll probably just take it. Let's just move on to 2016 where we just continue the Undertale, like coming to terms with it. Yeah. So, yeah, we sold out of the first wave. And then the second wave was, I believe it was February 1st, which I remember well because it stood as a lo- for a long time as our biggest sales day in history, Fangamer history, because it was wave two of Undertale. We restocked all the shirts. And we, again, we thought we were ready. <laughs> we were not. <laughs> we, uh, I don't think we sold out immediately, but we bought vastly more than any of us thought was wise. And we still sold most of it. Yeah. We've had several reprints of most of those shirts since yeah, then. Almost all of them. Almost um, all of them. Was that whenever, did we have so hyped in that wave as well? Or was that a little bit? Later? That was after. So yeah, that, okay. that wave performed so shockingly well. Well, then it screwed up everything that came after because yeah, we, have, like, we can't buy less than ten thousand of anything now. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like whenever it's like whenever you're uh, you're been driving on the highway through West Texas for a few hours, and then you stop and you uh, you go off of, uh, uh, go down an exit, and you're in a small town, and like you feel like you're just crawling right with <laughs> anything else. It's hard not to go sixty five on like, yeah. the local streets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, like I remember before Undertale, it was like. When Jen and I were first working here, we were just, it'd be a, a day would be, you'd be going in, uh, you know, doing your fetching and shipping. And then maybe once a week or so often you'd have a day interrupted by, Hey, papers, please shirts are here. And then like four boxes would get put on a table and then you'd spend four hours like pack, like folding them. And then you get back in the mail room. Whereas now it's, it's completely separate department now. Yeah. 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 We, ha- we have to have a whole separate division just to pack shirts and stuff like that. And even within that division, it's been subdivided. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's yeah. <laughs> inspecting them for holes and tears. Yeah. And like them putting them in the inventory. Back. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Undertale is for just monumental growth for us. And that was 2016 was really the high watermark as far as just like insane sales. Well, actually that's not true. 
Uh, but it was for a while it was the high water mark. Yeah, like we we weren't sure we were going to surpass that. Yeah, I I mean if you look at a graph of our sales from beginning of Fangamer history until then, the spike went so high that you couldn't even see the blips before it. Like you couldn't even see the Black Friday blips on the radar <laughs> before that because like because I graphed it, I wanted to see visually, and I it was just stunning. <laughs> and and we, we were so worried, I think at the time that so it would peak right there and just like valley right back down mm-hmm. but it, it, I mean, it did go down but it plateaued a lot higher than it was before uh-huh. we've never gone back to pre-Undertale levels of sales Right. Yeah. can I give another sort of a little perspective I've had on the company since like it, on the time I came in was right around like the growth spurt I suppose Sure. like I remember um, coming in to help with the retroware Kickstarter mm-hmm. and I remember after we finished fulfilling the Kickstarter and Christmas season was over I remember you telling me that Jen, I could stick around in Tucson, but you recommended that we look into getting other jobs because you said this is always our slow season. Yeah. And just, I've never actually seen that slow season. No. <laughs> <laughs> never came. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, we have to stop pretending. Yeah. And just go ahead and hire you full time. <laughs> I trust you that it, at one point it was a thing, but it used yeah. to be. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I've never known it. Yeah. <laughs> So let's see. So that's so we could probably talk about Undertale for uh, a few hours, but uh, so what about what about in 2016 things that are not Undertale? Let's let's think about that. I know yeah. it, it's hard to it's hard to see anything in that shadow. Uh, well, we'll go back to the, the the cyclical nature of things here. Camp Fan Gamer 2016. That's true, <laughs> right? We we were like, yeah. you know what? It was so good the last year. We can do it again immediately afterwards. Boy, we were uh, gloves for punishment. <laughs> that was that was a lot of work. I mean, uh, that's twenty. Yeah, it was yeah. 20, 2016. Yeah, we were back to back, and then we skipped twenty seventeen. Yeah, um, we learned our lesson. Yeah. <laughs> when did we move into this office? Yes, that was also oh. that was also 2016. Okay, that, that explains it because yeah. I thought it was 2017 uh-huh. that we moved in here. And I knew it was the same year as a camp. Yeah, yeah, that was the other big thing that year. Is that yeah, we bought this building that we're broadcasting from right now for. We'll be here for another couple months, and then we're on to the next one. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we bought and renovated a building. We uh, we did our second camp fan gamer, which was more uh, it was Mother Three based, and I think it was a lot it was a lot looser as far as the ARG still had, definitely had some, mm-hmm. but um, a bit looser. Yeah, I think much like the the games themselves, it had a much kind of like a tonal shift too. Mm-hmm. I'd say generally more laid back. Mm-hmm. I was still again I, I missed a lot of it because again I was spending the entire time on stage playing mother three so uh yeah. i don't know a whole lot of what happened afterwards well, or outside of it most of what you need to know is that we created our own stock market and then uh <laughs> crashed it yeah that yeah was a lot of fun yeah some of that ended up uh, seeping into the variety show again. that's right <laughs> i remember brainstorming the 2016 camp and just like hearing ideas about like all right so i think the backers should be able to like take lucas into the parking lot and <laughs> maybe we'll have like a, a box of like oh it'd be funny if we had like an unloaded gun in there and like <laughs> made it say like friendship yeah, point yeah you have to kill Luke <laughs> no no gun's too fast let's put a shovel in there she's yeah. right there guys you don't remind her oh, of these sorry. times oh, yeah. <laughs> so we had our second camp fan gamer uh, we had lots of Undertale we bought a building for You Are Now Earthbound we finished pretty much everything except the documentary that year as well oh did we yeah mm. and we also started working with Stardew Valley, which was a pretty big 
big one. But it didn't start out that big. It didn't. It was, like, it was, remember, it was like, a sleeper hit for a little while. Yeah, because we, we launched, I believe Carrie's book was one of the first products we launched. Yeah, I think so. I think that might have been like the first like actual Stardew thing we did. Yeah. And when we put it out there, I didn't quite know what to expect. And it was it was kind of a slow start. It was like, ah, oh, well, next time, next book, Carrie, you'll, you'll hit, the, hit the big time next time. Turns out, in retrospect. Uh, yeah, it still sells <laughs> super well today. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that book, it, that, it's one of the very few games that we've done merchandise for that you kind of start it and it just keeps going and it keeps accelerating, which very few games do. Usually games have a big spike at the beginning and then they just bottom out. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I remember, especially whenever I was working with partners a lot and like a lot of indie games would come to us and they'd, they'd ask us to make merchandise for them. And I'd kind of talk to them about like, you know, their, 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 the sales of their game and kind of predict like how how well we can expect their their merchandise to do. Um, and we had like some pretty some pretty detailed like ideas of how we expect merchandise to sell uh it's like some graphs are it's gonna do it's gonna you know start off pretty good and then it'll tail off and be prepared for that then we had undertale happen which completely like it basically kind of did that but at a much larger scale uh so like our 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 predictions were completely off and then stardew valley comes with a completely different and it sort of almost inverted (laughs) the the graph was completely wrong (laughs) (laughs) so which is all to say that um uh, predictions don't matter uh, just give up now. You can't tell the future. <laughs> uh, but Stardew Valley still, yeah, still does very good for us. And let's see, 2017. I'll, I'll say uh, one big thing that happened 2017 is we stopped updating our About Us page, which is where I've been getting my notes. So I don't have a whole lot <laughs> for 2017. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, let me try uh, fill in the gaps there. Uh, one thing I wanted to just point out really quick, uh, just because it's kind of personal to me, I think it's also kind of big for the uh, company too. Um, as I think 2015, was it 2015 or 2016? When we started doing plushes. Oh. Yes. Yeah. That actually, I do have a have notes in here. Like I'd uh, I'd say 2017 is whenever we really started immersing ourselves in those product types. We suddenly started packing like a whole bunch of figurines and plushes. Like I think the Undertale figs. I think we started taking pre-orders on those in 2016, but uh-huh. like they were filled in 2017. Yeah. So yeah, that was a huge change from us to kind of like we still do a, a, a lot of shirts, mm-hmm. but like. Like the types of products we do now is so expanded into plushes and figurines and we have vinyl records and a lot more uh, soundtracks and stuff, a lot more books now than we used to have. Yeah, it always used to be very easy whenever like a pizza delivery person would come over to the office and be like, what do you do here? And just be like, oh, we do like video game t-shirts like hats and keychains. Yeah. Whereas now it's like <laughs> we do all kinds of sit stuff. Sit down. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me tell you about a podcast. Yeah. I know. I've also brought plushes because I know that's also when Danny first came out. He's been working here for a little over a year, but I think he's been out here since the first Toriel plush run. Right. Right. Yeah. He he kind of started coming like coming visit a few times and helping out. Exactly. I have a, I have a slow motion video of Jenna like getting like three boxes of plushies dumped on her. Oh, yeah. From the first run and everything. <laughs> that was back in the Midway office. So, yeah, that was in the first yeah. So, yeah, moving forward. I'm going to go ahead and cut in here to deliver a Fangamer News segment, which we apparently didn't have at all in that first episode. Uh, This week, we've got a whole new line of GDQ merchandise. Summer Games Done Quick is all online this year due to the pandemic, but they're still on. 
If you buy GDQ merchandise during the event, a portion of the proceeds from each purchase will be donated to Doctors Without Borders, as noted on each product. So go check out Fangamer.com and see if you can help us do some good. We also have new lines of merchandise for Watam, Roco, and Life is Strange. If you like those games, again, go check out Fangamer.com and see what we've got. All right, that's enough shilling for the day. Let's hop back into the Wayback Machine and pick up right where we left off. said we just were playing Hollow Knight. Well, we started working with Hollow Knight in 2017. So, it really? could, yes. Good Lord. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing is that like Jenna and Jack are always way ahead of me on all these games and they always know the good stuff long before it becomes this huge seller at Fangamer. <laughs> like Jenna was like enthusiastically telling me about because like she she was the first person to play Undertale. I, I passed the final game to her. I said, hey, mm-hmm. check us out before it comes out. Make sure we get some merchandise ideas. Yeah. So she did. She couldn't stop talking about how much she loved it. Mm-hmm. Same with Hollow Knight. She just was effusive about Hollow Knight. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, we'll get to it. We'll do some merchandise eventually. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, listen to Jenna. That's yeah. the, that's the, uh, that's the takeaway here. Yeah, we'll have uh, to put profit on her. Uh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, we're just talking about how you can't tell the future. Crap. You know, some people are more right than others. Okay. I mean, I don't think she really foretold uh, Stardew Valley, which also did pretty true, good. True. Like, there's so many good games coming out that yeah. nobody reasonably can keep up with that. Like, we could hire somebody <laughs> to just play all the games and tell us which ones are good. And that could be a more than full-time position, maybe get a second one. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, on that jobs page. <laughs> I mean, I guess we uh, uh, we do have someone a little bit more like that now in Everdred. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's very on top of stuff as well. It's true. Uh, I think between uh, he was also very early on the Undertale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. He, he, he worked you know, on it. Yeah, <laughs> he worked on the game. He might have been a little on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one of the cool things about working in a, in a company that is so video game focused on, on my end because I can't keep up with it. I kind of feel like I'm lagging all the time. But you now everybody here loves video games, or just about everybody, anyway. So we can usually count on somebody to have played whatever it is that we're talking that we're lo- talking about. And if nobody's played it or heard of it, then we know nobody has. Yeah, yeah it's, that's, it's, <laughs> that's one reason why I don't. I almost never require people to play games because if people aren't naturally going to like seek out and play a game of their own volition, then that's kind of an indicator right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember several things from 2017 though. Oh yeah. Tell me about them. Fangamer Japan. Yes. Thank mm. you. I wasn't sure if that was whenever it happened, but I had it with a question mark in my notes. I'm pretty sure it was in March of 2017, I believe we knew that we were getting ready to publish undertale, um, which is going to be the first game that we co-published making physical copies of the game for PS4 and Vita. And they were planning to launch in Japan simultaneously. And we're like, we yeah, cause, cause they were working on the, the Japanese translation at the time eight, four was right. But like, I don't remember whose, whose idea was it first to actually do like a physical release. like, was it eight, four that had the idea or were we just working with them? I think we wanted to do it because we had, we had seen how crazy the, the physical sales were for retro city rampage and shovel Knight. I think we'd also, sold at that mm-hmm. point. So we just wanted to do it regardless. And 8.4 was like, yeah, we're, it's going to be on console. Might as well make physical copies. Yeah, because I think they, they were all... Like, one of the reasons why they were involved is because the game was made on in Game Maker, which had to be kind of like retrofitted to uh, to be able to work on consoles at all. And 8.4 took care of a lot of the, the back-end programming on that because yeah. Toby just didn't have any experience in that. Yeah, and boy, it was, a, it was a task getting it to 
to port. We were planning to do a collector's edition, which was a big thing we've been working on for a long time leading up to that. And we, we sat down in March and we're like, if this is coming out in Japan, we really like we can't miss this opportunity. Japan is going to love this game. They already love the game. They've done a fan translation or probably a couple at that point. <laughs> and we knew it was just a massive opportunity. And it was like, we're not really ever going to get another chance to do something like this where we can like we can have a very clear shot at starting a branch of the company in another country. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff we had to figure out. And most importantly, we didn't have anybody to run it. Yeah, like, a lot did. of people here were like, I'd love to live in Japan, but that's such a, you know, factory. Yeah. And, and, and how long are you going to be allowed to live there? Because like yeah. actually immigrating to Japan whenever you're not actually like Japanese in, in ancestry, like that's, that's a hard time. almost t- impossible. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to basically marry yourself in there. Yeah. Uh, which luckily we we knew somebody who had married himself in. That's exactly it. He just left his job. He's like, hey, guys, I'm just looking around to see if you got anything. Like, perfect timing. Do you want to run a distribution center for Undertale? And uh, sure enough, he was down. So, yeah, we launched Fanghammer Japan. And obviously, we published Undertale on uh, and launched the Collector's Edition, which overtook the previous year as our best sales day of all time. Because uh-huh. uh, that Collector's Edition was announced during E3. Yeah. So, turns out E3 yeah. drives some numbers. <laughs> I couldn't imagine whenever I was a kid, like whenever I was younger, uh, even whenever I was like older and like working at GameStop, hoping that I'd be able to maybe visit E3 someday, mm-hmm. that I would someday be working at a company that's publishing a game that's being announced there. Yeah. Like it's just that was like a uh, an un- unimaginable dream that there it was right there on the that was the, that was the Sony uh, press conference. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty wild. Let's see. So we got Fan Gamer Japan launched, which is still they're still doing pretty good like they're still like uh, like they're because they're, they're they're super useful not just for uh, actually like selling merchandise over there because like so many of the people that we work with uh, are you know japanese-based companies like the fact that we have a branch over there and people who can just go visit them at their headquarters and and like have meetings and and all that that's that's huge yeah. for us. and we, we we're, fly people over there all the time it's kind of a legitimacy thing and, and we have we have like a presence at the the conventions yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that also helped to change the landscape of how we're doing but of course that's something that comes up a little bit later so we started dipping our toes into game publishing we talked about that we also bought another company in that uh, in that year and well we bought a building first yeah we had to buy a building to put them in <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> so the building came first and then we bought another building about 15 minutes from our current building here and it was mostly warehouse and uh, then we began negotiations to buy our screen printing company uh, Ford Printing mm-hmm. and uh, wow that's a lot more work than you think <laughs> it turns out so, I think it's a lot yeah well it's even more than that <laughs> yeah I, uh, I mean it might have been easier I guess to just like start another company and just buy their equipment from them <laughs> and be like hey can we hire you guys for like a year and then that's kind of what we did ultimately it, yeah um, yeah an asset purchase but yeah we uh, I like going into it you know it was me and the owner of Ford Printing and we we're we go way back we're on very good terms yeah we've been using forward printing since almost the beginning yeah yeah just a couple years after we began i believe we started using that for everything uh, i trust them implicitly and vice versa even with that very good set of starting conditions it was incredibly difficult to 
finalize the purchase of another company. So I am going to avoid ever doing that again if I can. <laughs> because imagine if it, if it was that hard for a company that I love, that there's mutual love there. Imagine if you have like an adversary or somebody, you know, a competitor that you're trying to buy. That'd be a disaster. I, I hate to, to give much respect to to a lot of these bigger companies for, for this, but every once in a I have a little bit more respect for the ones that are just like, oh yeah, GameStop bought ThinkGeek, you know, however long ago. Sounds and so simple. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, no, that's actual. I mean, I guess they have a, more of an army of lawyers to just take care of it for them. Yeah. So never mind, never mind. Yeah, respect yeah. Re- rescinded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so that was that was a lot for 2017. That was a huge year for us. So let's move on to 2018. That was only like yeah uh, yesterday. So what's uh, <laughs> do we remember what happened the past year uh, in the past year? It's actually getting harder. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of weird. We've been thinking about the past too long. We've lost ourselves back there. We can't oh. see the future oh, wait, anymore. Wait, wait, wait. Camp Fangamer. That's it's true. That's yeah, right. we had we had our third Camp Fangamer that was uh, Fangamer themed. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it was also of progressively stepping down Camp Fangamer expectations <laughs> yeah. every year. Well, it was also our 10 year anniversary as a company. That's oh, true. That, that's the reason why it was Fangamer uh, based because it was, yeah, it was our basic, it was less a Camp Fangamer and more of a just to come celebrate our 10th anniversary with us. Yeah. So, and the theme for that one, or a lot of that involved trying to find a new read. That was, I think, the big storyline. <laughs> there yeah i got i got plucked out of a shipping crate in a box truck so that was cool yeah 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 i think originally it was um for like brainstorming we were trying to think of all these different themes i think we were working on having uh like our the people who paid uh premium prices for tickets they were became our chairman mm-hmm. or they're like the, the board members right and uh i think the, the goal was largely to uh, just you, you're going to replace Reed. You're the right. new owners of the company. And around the same time, I had, um, again, kind of going along with the thing of like 3D printing, 3D modeling. VR is another big enthusiast, uh, another big. Yeah, we do love VR. Company. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, that whole that whole thing came for me uh, thinking to myself how it'd be great to, I learned about VR chat that year. And I just had the idea of it'd be really cool if we just quickly mocked up the convention center in 3d and people could just join and, you know, have their own avatars and they could watch the stream in the stream room and stuff like that in the theater room. And it seemed very, very meta, very fun. And I was working on that. And just, I just remember, I think Jazzy coming to me one day and not in these words, but essentially saying, Hey, we're having a hard time thinking of a theme. I think we're just going to make your VR thing the theme. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no pressure or anything. Yeah, so, so yeah, it, it was very much. Uh, I mean, I was happy because it meant that was what I was able to work on for just months, yeah. and um, it got wild. Yeah, <laughs> it went way off the yeah, way off the rails there for a bit. But um, and there's a whole music video about it. Uh, we should. Uh, I'll probably. I don't know. I guess yeah, we can't really link it in a podcast. Still, so. <laughs> on youtube it's not on youtube no, no oh wow just jazzy's working too hard on the documentary okay the sacrifices gotta be made and yep. we love vr as well <laughs> well <laughs> well suffice to say yeah. uh so that was a huge part of our uh, of our 2018 is the fact that we made uh, that we turned 10 it's also the year where i think we started working with a lot more big licenses like sure is uh we started working with like atlas and capcom and namco i don't know if we st- 
started that year or if that's when everything like a lot of it started coming out. Yeah, in twenty seventeen is when we hired Noah mm-hmm. as our licensing director, the director of licensing. And um that started to show up in our products in twenty eighteen. Yeah. Because because whenever you're starting working with those like huge ships, it takes a long time for them to show anything for it because there's just so many layers of red tape and like it, it's it's useful it, it's good for us to be able to go through that. Yeah. It's just you know it takes a long time. But we also published our first close collaboration with Nintendo, which was Undertale for the Switch. Yep. Again, co-published with 8.4. And yeah, then we launched a huge lineup of like officially licensed, pretty pretty big name IP stuff throughout the year, but especially at Black Friday. Uh, like Katamari, our Katamari lineup was pretty amazing. Bomberman. I think we also started working with Celeste uh, that year too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Celeste is, actually, Celeste came out in early 2018. Yeah. Yeah. And we had some stuff ready almost at launch, which is uh, was was unusual for us. We're getting better at it now. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot easier whenever it's like folks, because we had already worked with one of the creators of Celeste on uh, like Towerfall stuff a long time ago. But Towerfall, like merchandise never really sold very well because it was, uh, I guess it's a, it's almost like a, like a Smash Brothers type game where it's like just, it's pure, almost purely like multiplayer, or at least that's like where the, a lot of the attractiveness of the game mm-hmm. is you fight your friends by shooting each other with, with, uh, with archery. And it was, it was cool, but like, it's, it's hard to really latch on to that sort of thing from an emotional level. Right. Whereas then you have Celeste, which is very similar. It has a very similar feel, like it plays a lot like Towerfall, but it's it's definitely more of a single player experience, and you, there's a, there's characters, and you get attached to them. There's a storyline, and that helps a lot for actually getting getting people attached to the merchandise and wanting to actually go out and wear it. Uh, which is something that we really learned, especially with with Undertale, and that kind of has helped to kind of determine what kind of merchandise we end up making. It's like we we aim for emotionally resonant stuff because yeah. that's what people want. And that and that's the thing is like you know sometimes a company that has a game that's done very well will come to us like hey we really want merchandise the sales are off the charts it's great we're like well listen like your sales are great. But that does not necessarily translate to merchandise sales. It's true, um, and that is that is one of the lessons that we really learned. It really got driven into us. I think in 2018 is when we really that clicked finally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd, I'm sure there's a bunch of things I'm forgetting in 2018. But the one big one I want to mention is we're going to go ahead with our uh, Mike Choi. Uh, I told you it was kind of wrap around. That's whenever we did flip grip. Whoa, Choi's choice. <laughs> got it. Yes. Told you it was going to come back. <laughs> Another Kickstarter. <laughs> Turns out you can predict things. <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, Flip Grip. That was the the peripheral for the uh, for the Nintendo Switch, where you can turn it on its side, which is such a simple concept, but so complicated in execution. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are like, it's just a piece of plastic. It's like, you have no idea. <laughs> so much that goes into a Kickstarter for something like that. The big thing is that it's a part that's going to attach to a an expense. Like, the thing itself isn't very expensive, but it's attaching to something that is. Yeah. It all comes out of the weakest link. You don't want, <laughs> yeah. the fl- you don't want to be that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's where a lot of the complication is. We wanted to make certain that whatever we made was not going to break your expensive thing. And that turns out takes a lot of uh, development. And Mike Choi is the one who developed it from the ground up. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy Parrish had the original concept and, you know, he was there every step of the way and we were too, but in the, in the end of the day, Mike did 
Yeah, Mike, oh, yeah. Mike was the hero here yeah. for sure. Yeah. All, all the way. That's why we gave him like 30 seconds of intro time during the new, <laughs> during the new office cam intro. Yeah. And it's worth, it's worth, yeah. it's worth bringing up how we met Mike Choi. Like, how did he come into our sphere? If I remember correctly, Mike started out watching office cam. Oh really? I didn't yeah. even know, I didn't know a game that far back. Yeah, I think back in like 2010, I think is when he first started watching Office Cam. And then after he'd been an Office Cam regular for a while, he's like, we said, hey, we, all right, we're going to PAX. And he's like, oh man, I'm going to be at PAX too. Can I come by your booth? We're like, yeah, of course. We'd love to meet you know folks who watch Office Cam. Mm-hmm. And so he came, and I think I can't remember if he told us or not, but he had a pianica, mm-hmm. and I think Robbie was there as well. And so they both kind of played together, and that was the beginning of a, a beautiful thing, like. Uh, uh, Soul Brothers and Mike Choi were it, it was basically Robbie and Mike Choi for our first like yeah yeah it took us a while but that, that was before like any other members of the Soul Brothers started like participating Mike, yeah. long before they got on stage at PAX so as far as I knew mostly like Mike Choi was a guy who wandered toward our booth with his pianica and started <laughs> serenading us and then, yeah. then later on he's making he's making peripherals for the for the switch <laughs> like, that's, you know the age old story happens all yeah. the time <laughs> yeah, I think that's most of 2018. Let's let's move on to 2019, which is uh, only a few months in. So we better remember a few things here. Let's see. The, the three big things I have uh, are we're buying another new building and starting to renovate it. That is in process right now. And yep. hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we'll move into it later this year. Turns out renovating buildings is complicated. And again, there's no predicting. I know I'm going back and forth about whether or not you can predict anything. But <laughs> <laughs> well, here, I've got this life advice for everybody listening. Everything's complicated. Yes. Nothing is simple. Yeah, if, if if somebody's telling you it's simple, they're selling you something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're so we're working on getting a new building and maybe selling this one at some point, hopefully. And then we were also fulfilling Bloodstained. So call back to 2016 or whatever, 2015. 2015. <laughs> okay. We were fulfilling Bloodstained right now and are continuing to wallow in the developer, not developer, publisher waters with uh, Hollow Knight. That's right. Which was a, another huge one. Yeah. Big, big launch for us. Um, yeah, we put Hollow Knight out on Switch, PS4, and we made PC copies as well. So with Undertale, we were co-publishers before, but Hollow Knight, we did it all ourselves, mm-hmm. which was provided a lot more learning opportunities because, you know, there, inevitably we made mistakes and had to figure out stuff along the way. Uh, but we also published it in Europe and uh, other parts of the world. So we, we, we made all the stuff and we just sent, uh, shipped them out to distributors mm-hmm. uh, all over the place so that they could distribute further from there. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, we're, we're, we're learning how to do this stuff, folks. We're getting there. We're, we're, a, bunch of, we're a bunch of dumb kids here in Tucson, <laughs> Arizona. And we've been, you know, 10 years in, we're still not sure what we're doing half the time. Turns out Fangamer is just 40 kids in a trench coat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so, I haven't figured this out yet. So yeah, I'm sure there's a lot that we forgot or missed. Uh, we could probably do in like an entire episode just as a recap of the minutia of each year. But I'd rather get past all that stuff, get it all out of the way so we can move forward from here. So next week, we'll be talking about what's going on now or possibly soon. There are two more things I want to do in each episode of this podcast. The first is talking about the city that we call home, our beloved old Pueblo, uh, Tucson, Arizona. Specifically, I want to find a weird news story that I can share about this place because one of the reasons we love Tucson is because it's a weird place. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite and also least favorite recent stories has to do with a big wildfire that swept through uh, south of Tucson last year oh good yeah very funny very funny <laughs> wildfires ha! I just, I see it coming. 
So, um, yeah, the big wildfire that swept through south of Tucson last year, causing a significant amount of property damage, uh, it was terrible. So I, I, I know that that Reed clearly knows the answer to this question. So I'll ask Jack. Jack, do you know what started this fire? Oh, boy. Is this that gender reveal? <laughs> yes. Oh, it was a gender reveal event. A couple, I a wasn't <laughs> sure what your reactions were about. <laughs> I started jogging my memory. <laughs> it's a girl, baby. <laughs> so a couple decided that they wanted to reveal the gender of their child with a bang. So they set up a device out in the desert that would explode and emit either pink or blue colored smoke. Oh, now, it's important for people who aren't around here to know the deserts around here are not barren, sandy deserts. They're covered in plants, mostly yellow dehydrated, immensely flammable shrubs. <laughs> Tinder. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I gotta say, I, I feel very sorry, both for the people on the receiving end of the millions of dollars of property damage, as well as for the child whose gender was revealed in that way. Mm. <laughs> Plus, I... It could be, you know, portending a truly great child. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> or like the destroyer, you know, like we don't know which it's gonna end up being. But anyway, yeah, I also just think gender reveal events are kind of dumb, but that's just <laughs> me uh whenever we were uh so i had a kid just uh like right at the end of last year hey there was a big thing 2018 yeah uh me and laura were just kind of joking about because because gender reveal parties were kind of really becoming popular during laura's pregnancy or maybe they were before and they were just continuing to explode it doesn't really matter anyway oh they they, they really they really caught fire last year um yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you were <laughs> that. i honestly didn't <laughs> sorry sorry anyway uh, so yeah, so our, our idea was, all right, because one of the popular gender reveal things is you have like a cake and it has like, is it a girl or is it a boy? And you have ballerina shoes on one side and like, I don't know, a shotgun on the other one or something. <laughs> and, and then you cut into the cake and depending on what food coloring you put in there, that tells you, oh, it's, if it's blue, it's a boy or whatever. So, uh, so Laura had the great idea of baking a cake uh, and whenever you cut into it, like just a bunch of plastic spiders fall out. <laughs> it's spiders! <laughs> Boy, I, no, I thought you would you contemplated having live spiders, which would be a much more <laughs> gender reveal party. Just like, kind of get one of the many, many, many Black Widow colonies yeah, in this hey, town. Yeah, I got plenty of them. I can bring them. Oh, my gosh. But I thought about the logistics of that. Like, yeah, if, you, if you did that right and you cut slowly enough so you wouldn't cut any spiders in half, <laughs> slowly pull the piece out and let them just pour out from the <laughs> yeah. wow, What a great video that would be. Man, that's a, Vine. Vine's died too early. There's grill could start paying for itself. That's right. <laughs> It just reminds me of like one of my favorite images on the internet, which is the uh, the picture of Pocahontas coming up behind coming up behind John Smith, and like she just opens her mouth, and then spiders just coming coming out, and then the next panel is like he just has this wide eyed like oh god. That was an all time classic. Uh, I don't know if this podcast can do like like a different image for each episode, but if that could. Be be the That's image for it. this episode. Yeah. Bang it for the five-year recaps. <laughs> <laughs> There's spiders. I sure hope you enjoyed that conversation. Obviously, some things have changed since that episode originally aired. The office we were hoping to move into by the end of that year, for instance we did not move into until this year. Also, I ended up beating Hollow Knight myself, including the Radiant boss, so I have very much secured my spot here above Reed. Thank you, thank you. 
Jack has since transitioned to pretty much completely out of the mailroom, now being mostly dedicated to game development. Also, the Earthbound USA documentary, which we hope to release by the end of last year, we're now scrambling to try and release it by the end of this year. Listeners, while I'm planning out the rest of the episodes for this year, this is the perfect time to pitch a topic of your own. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, please email your ideas to yourfriendsatfangamer.com. Thank you very much, Past Reed, Past Jack, and Past Charlie for joining me this week. Listeners, if you'd like to support this podcast, please consider buying something from the Fangamer store. Alternately, just share us with your friends, tweet about us, or even tweet at us. Thank you, Super Soul Brothers, for the music on this episode, and thank you, listener, for listening. We're your friends at Fangamer. Try to make someone's Today and let's plan on hanging out again next week. Hey.